I'm ready. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, um, you can mark it. You can go to Numbers chapter 14. Then we're going to go to Deuteronomy. But I'm going to give you some little backdrop of what we're going to do here today. Um, we kind of informally uh, started in this series uh, a few, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but the title of this series that we're moving into in this first Sunday of December is From Transition to Triumph. From Transition to Triumph. Um, when we understand the process that goes into us moving through transition in various stages of our life, um, it actually positions us, it actually moves us to the place where we can experience triumph in our lives, with this, which is victory. Um, and when we get to that place of victory, um, we can appreciate the transition that we had to go through because if we actually understand the fullness of the process, we actually grow. We actually grew in that process. We actually became stronger in that process. We actually gained some knowledge and some wisdom through that particular transition. If we have the right mindset to look at it through the proper scope of lenses and not to look through it in the lens of this was just such a burden, this was just such a weight, why did I have to do this, oh, woe is me attitude. When we change our perspective concerning our transition, that transition can bless us for our triumph and bless us for our victory. Amen? Amen. So it's all about how we engage and how we begin to take our perspective and our focus concerning us in transition. Now, some of us uh, may be at a place where you say, well, I've never experienced no, no big transitions. Well, let me help you because we've all transitioned. Amen. The word transition means, let me give you a quick definition. The word transition means the process or period of changing from one state or condition to another. Each of us have been a teenager. You went from 12 to 13. Oh, my goodness. At 13, I mean, you thought you was doing some stuff right there, boy. You know, you was you had reached this teenage phase, and you was getting ready to get out of uh, uh, going into junior high, probably into that freight, into that phase, and transitioning. And then when you transition as a, as a teenager, then you go to high school. High school was a transition because now you have a little bit more liberty and freedom because you're just not confined to one classroom. I know when I was in elementary school, we had we, we were in one classroom. We didn't transfer classes. Everything was taught in one classroom. All your classes was in one through elementary school. So when you get to high school, now you have to go and you got to find this biology class. I got to find this algebra class. And, and you have this free time in between classes that you're supposed to go straight to that class. But you find yourself dipping off every now and then and spending more time trying to get to class. And you end up getting a tardy because you become late and you don't make it in time because you in transition because this freedom that I have to roam the halls is something I'm not used to. And so you transition. Then when you transition from high school, some of us who had the opportunity to go to college. Now, my transition to college was not the best experience because this freedom that I was experiencing was something that I did not even imagine that I had possibly to do. Because nobody, I mean nobody, had to tell you to go to that class. Well, at least when you were in high school, you had what they would have hall monitors, or you would have truancy officers that were in the hall that would tell you at a certain point in time, they were walking home, why are you not in class? Uh, where you're supposed to be at is, is eighth period, where you're supposed to be. But when I got to college, and I went locally here to Chicago State University, shout out to the Cougars, amen, 95th King Drive. Um, so 
<laughs> um, I went to Chicago State, staying here at home, and you know, commuted on the bus, amen, you know, back and forth until I was able to get, you know, get me a car around my second year. You know, I went to about 19, 20 years old, and I got my own car. But anyway, that's long, that's another story. So I in college, here it is, I have this class schedule when I'm supposed to go to class, but here are my other friends that I've met, they in the out here in their common areas. Playing spades. Oh my God. Oh, they're playing spades, playing dominoes. You know, they just laid back, they just chilling. I'm like, you know, well, and they so they they tell me, you know, uh, Jonas, you know, uh, come on, come on, hang out, come on, come on, hang out, and play, play a hand, just play one hand. That's like, just play one hand. Do you know how long one hand can go? In spades. How many you see? How many you see? There's no one hand. So. You're in the position where now I'm playing spades and I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to have been at class, you know, at, at 9 o'clock, here it is, 9.30, you know, time that went by. So I find myself engaging in this particular uh, activity more times than I should have. So as a result of that, in my transition, I begin to abuse my freedom. Because I didn't understand the value of what this education was, that I was actually paying for this. I was paying for this because eventually I had student loans and things that had to, I'm going to pay for this, and that didn't set in in that first year. You know, I'm just, you know, kicking it in. So now, you know, I got classes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You know, hey, I might go to three classes and, you know, one, two classes this day because I find myself consistently over here playing spades and just chilling. <laughs> and then the grades came out. Oh, my God. How do I transition this to get this past my father that who said that I'm supposed to have been at school in these hours and these grades reflect incomplete, <laughs> D, <laughs> C, just barely making it. <laughs> so now I'm on academic probation. Because if your grades are not up to standard in college, they have the right, they can put you out of here. Because you're taking up space from somebody that actually is coming to school to learn and to receive an education and that's going to be responsible and set the tone and the atmosphere for what the university should be known for. Not to be known for slouches and people who are slacking and people who are just here to, you know, just pass the time. So you have to transition. But thank God that because I was put on academic probation, this became a challenge. I had to now change my perspective and change my mindset. Because if I don't get myself in line and if I don't transition, I won't have the opportunity to complete my education and obtain my degree. Amen. So eventually I got it together on a six year plan. Come on. But I maintained and I got my degree Amen. with the help of my wife assisting me, pushing me, that I made it through. But if I had not experienced that transition, I wouldn't be able to help tell this story today where somebody who may be in that same situation and may be in the same similar atmosphere where they're thinking about, I'm going to college, but can I handle the liberty and the freedom that is going to be presented to me? Am I going to have the ability and the time to maintain and have the discipline to be able to know that what I'm putting in is what you're going to get out? Amen. Amen. So through that, Transition, I gained the triumph. The victory was I got my degree. But there was a process, there was challenges, there were different obstacles that came along the way. And listen at this, not necessarily because somebody else put them in my way, I put them in my way based on my choices. 
See, when you're in a position and you're dealing with transition, you have to realize some things we begin to create because of our own decisions that we make. And there's no need to blame the devil. There's no need to blame the enemy. There's no need to blame your mama, your daddy, your grandmama, your uncle. They were not in those classes. They were not telling you to go play spades. They were not telling you to go sit in this class. It was my own choice. I had to take responsibility for my own actions. If I'm going to move beyond this place of transition and I'm going to get the growth that I need to begin to get out of this situation, I have to realize my choices and make adjustments to change my decisions. Changing your decision, changing your mindset is critical for you to reach your triumph phase. If you're going to reach victory, you have to change your mindset. You have to remain focused on the goal because the enemy is going to come and he's going to try to distract you. He's going to try to bring in things that are going to lure you off the path. So today... So now you have an idea that you know you can go through your life and there are many different, tra- many different transitions that we face. Mm-hmm. You may move from another city. You may move from another part of town to another part. You may have to change jobs. You may have to do a lot of various things that go on that presents you with transition. But how we respond to the transition is going to determine how triumphal we'll be. Amen. How victorious will you be based on how we go through the transition? Because I want you to understand, there are so many growing points, so many maturing points that come forth through us maintaining our particular level of integrity, our level of character, and now having a godly mindset toward the transition is going to grow us and mature us at a rate that we would not even experience if we responded like the world would. See, this is why you have to understand the word of God. If we're not fighting the battle according to the word of God, according to the scripture, we're going to respond in our flesh every time. We're going to respond according to the way the world would have us to respond. And then we miss out on our victory and it takes us longer to get to the finish line. It takes us longer to reach the goal. So we're going to see a young man here in the Bible, here in the word of God, that we're going to talk about is Joshua. Not my son, Josh. (laughs) His name just came from there. But Joshua, this man of God, who was the assistant to Moses, who was uh, his helper, uh, his armor bearer, uh, his person that was constantly, that Moses had around him, and God chose Joshua (laughs) to lead the children of Israel into their promised land after Moses had now missed his opportunity. Because of his disobedience, he could only go to the mountain and look and see what the promised land looked like. But he was not able to take them over after he brought them out of Egypt, after he had endured for 40 years in the wilderness with the children of Israel, had gone through, prayed for them, interceded for them, cried out for them. But God said, you can't go over. But Joshua was there right alongside of Moses. Seeing the people respond and act the way they were acting toward God, and he still took the assignment. Come on. I'm going to help some people today. See, you think that you have been given this particular bad hand or this bad deal or this life that has been dealt to you, as we say, and you think that it's so hard that you can't manage it, you can't handle it, you can't maintain it, but here it is. Joshua has been given the assignment to take over hundreds of thousands of people 
into a place to a promised land and they have so many issues and he is yet going to be responsible to take them in and to take over where Moses left off at. You got to begin to take a moment to think about, am I ready to deal with that? But I have to help you understand this because, because Joshua had the right spirit through the transition of going through the wilderness. He was able to take them into the promised land. See, if you don't have the mind, if you don't have the right mindset, if you don't respond and act accordingly as God is leading you and guiding you, it will take you off your promise. And you'll get so focused in on the process that you lose your opportunity for the victory of God to manifest in your life because we have all these pity parties through the process. We stop and we cry longer than we should. Baby, it's okay to cry, but you can't stay here crying for weeks and months talking about now I'm depressed, now I can't make it, now I want to take my life, now it's too much, it's too much to bear. The enemy and the devil is a lie. It's okay for you to be in this place, but you can't stay down because God has declared any means hurt you. You can tread upon scorpions and serpents and that stuff shouldn't hurt you. I've got to get myself together, regroup, and tell depression, I command you to get off my life. I command you to get out of my heart. I command you to get out of my spirit, man. I will be free. I will operate in the joy of the Lord. you got to speak to your life and speak to your situation because the enemy wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you oppressed. So i got to Because I'm going to go through this transition and I'm going to mature. I'm going to grow. I'm going to increase. I'm going to gain the wisdom that I need so that I can get to the next level. Because you got to understand something. If you never pass level one of Miss Pac-Man, <laughs> if you're just on cherry level and you never, ever got to the banana, I mean, what kind of, you've been playing this for 30 years and you're still on a cherry level? It's something at least. Can you get to the orange at least? Can you move beyond level one? Something that you spend time in, you should gain valuable lessons through. Oh my God, that was a good nugget. Something that you spend time in, you should gain valuable nuggets along the way. Because once you master this level one of Miss Pac-Man, it creates an atmosphere where it automatically takes you to the next level. Because you have made the attempt and the ability to avoid all the ghosts that were trying to eat you. Oh, I ain't gonna get no help in here. And you successfully reached your, I don't know what the little power balls, what they call, in order for you to go forth and eat the ghost. So let's just call them the Holy Ghost power. Oh, I'm gonna trip the, the script on this thing. I ain't even got to the I ain't even got to the book yet. But when you when you eat the Holy Ghost, which is that power, because the Bible says when the Holy Ghost come upon you, shall receive power. Oh, you shall have power over the enemy. So if this black man is gotten up Holy Ghost and eating up devils, which is the ghost. Oh my God! Because the Holy Ghost is taking out the evil ghost. So listen, listen, listen. I don't want to move too fast, but. Let me slow down and back up a little bit. So listen, this transition that Joshua has been presenting, I want you to see some of the things that he had to deal with, and I want you.
you to see why he was, one of the reasons why he was chose is because he had a different mindset. Yes. Wow. Joshua and Caleb were the only two spies that came with a report that was different from the others. Uh-huh. Yes. They all went into the land to see the same land. Yes. Amen. I told you how your scope, how your vision, how your perspective is will determine how far you go. So here, they go in and spy out this new land, the land of Canaan, where God has promised them that it's flowing with milk and honey. Joshua and Caleb go into the land with the other spies. The other spies come. We're in Numbers 13. We're going to get to 14. But in Numbers 13, the other spies say, we look like grasshoppers. And we can't defeat them. I'm paraphrasing. We can't overtake the land. So you mean to tell me that God then brought us out of Egypt and we at the brink of our breakthrough. And you mean to tell me you're afraid of a giant? And your God just loosed you from the bands of Pharaoh? He just parted the Red Sea for you? He just put a plague on Pharaoh's house because he was touching your kids? Oh my God. Y'all missing this and I'm preaching better than you shouting right now. So listen, you gotta know the book. So y'all you gotta know. So listen, so Joshua and Caleb come. And they say, hold up, why y'all all in a frenzy? Because those people were trying to influence the other people to think like them. See, the naysayers were trying to get more naysayers. See, the yes people were in a position where they were outnumbered by the naysayers. But when you get two yes people with a kindred spirit and have the spirit of God, have the spirit of the Holy Ghost, it will begin to override and supersede all the naysayers that were coming at you and trying to tell you no because God's got a yes for somebody in the mouth. Oh, my God. So... Oh my God. So Joshua and Caleb tell the people, they said, look, we're well able to overcome them. We're well able to take the land. Let's go at once and possess it. <laughs> they said, I don't look, I don't want to waste time because if we waste time, we're going to start thinking again. And see, when you waste time thinking instead of moving, you'll talk yourself out of your blessing. See, you, when you waste so much time trying to figure out the all A to Z, because God only gave you A and B. He didn't tell you C, D, E, F, E, G. He only gave you A and B. So if you step out on A, he's going to reach you with B. If you step out on C, he'll give you the D. But if you never step out on A, how are you going to reach B? So God said they had the power and their mindset. They said, look, God said to Caleb, I like your spirit, boy. I like your spirit. I like the way you're talking. He said, because you're in agreement with what I've already put in the people and even in Moses that I've told you I'm going to the next level. But look at what they do in Numbers 14. And then we got to get to Deuteronomy. Oh, this thing is so good. Look at Numbers 14. I'm in the NIV. So after they had, this is after 13, after they had got this particular word and Joshua and them and they wanted to go into the land, look at what they do. It says, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Now look at who they're blaming. The Lord. 
They're blaming the Lord. They said, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Now, this is the same God that you were praising for giving him thanks for bringing you out of bondage in Pharaohs in Egypt. But now, why is the Lord bringing us to the land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Now, let me help you. This is the point in transition where there's a fork in the road because the pressure's been put on you. And the weight of triumph seems more heavier and more harder to obtain. Mm -hmm. And it looks like it's easier just to go backwards. Wow. Amen. Retreat. It's easier to go backwards. So you mean to tell me that instead of going forward, not even to try to beat the Canaanites, you don't even want to put an attempt in. You just say it would be better for us to go back to Egypt. You mean to tell me you want to go back to laying bricks? You want to go back to building back breaking work? You want to go back to slavery? You want to go back to bondage? You want to go back to Egypt? So you mean to tell me that your mind has been so conditioned that you're conditioned in the place of your past that you don't even have the faith to believe the God that you serve, that you can go to a new place, you can go to a new level, that if God brought you out of this, he can take you into that. So, listen what he said. Oh my God, listen what he said. Jesus, we gotta get there. He said, wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Wow. Look at this. I want you to hear this. Them jokers can't lead themselves. They've been wandering all this time, but they ain't got no faith and nobody that's in their circle because they all talking contrary to God. They said, we should raise up a leader. They still need somebody to follow because their mindset has not elevated that they have the strength and the ability. Won't you lead yourself out of this place? If you're so big and bad, if you don't need God, Jephunneh, 
who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we pass through and explore is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he'll give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Come on. Come on. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't rebel against the Lord. Because the Lord has called you out to take you into a new place. And now you want to rebel against the blessing that he's blessed you with. And so he said, and do not be afraid of the people of the land. Because what? We will devour them. Wow. Yes. Oh my God. That's a man speaking with confidence. That's a man speaking with faith. That's a man speaking with courage. That's a man that has an understanding that we can move forward. And so listen to what he says. He said, if the Lord is pleased, where we at? Their protection is gone. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Look at the next verse. Because this is how folk would do you. When you're doing something contrary to what they want, because they want it their way, like it's Burger King. Come on, come on. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Uh oh. Wow. So anytime there's a difference of viewpoint, a difference of perspective, now you're ready to stone this particular viewpoint because you don't want to influence people to be free. You mean to tell me if I made the decision to stay here in bondage and in Egypt, you mean to tell me you wouldn't stone me? As long as I'm agreeing with you to go back to Egypt, I could be alive? Come on now. So they started a conversation. They said, look. Then, look at this, we're going to Deuteronomy. Once they said they're going to talk about stoning, then the glory of the Lord appeared. At the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And the Lord said to Moses, how long would these people treat me with contempt? Let's go to Deuteronomy. I ain't got time to read that. That ain't in the lesson today. But he went and told him, Jokers. God started getting the attitude and telling him, How long are y'all going to be in contempt with me? How long are you going to have an attitude with me? All the blessings I've brought, all the things I've done. How you going to have these issues? But notice when they started wanting to stone the voice that God wanted to begin to rise up to influence the people, God showed up. His glory started coming in. His glory started moving in the room. His glory started coming in. And the people saw his glory come in. And that's what God will do. And he'll begin to show himself strong and mighty. And that's what he'll do when you're going through transition. He'll begin to show forth his glory if you maintain your place of faith. Amen. Amen. Because Joshua and Caleb was not going to be persuaded by what everybody else was saying. They were going to stand on the word. So let's go to Deuteronomy. My God, my God. Oh, I just wanted you. I wanted you to see that because I wanted you to see what Joshua was dealing with, how the people were with Moses. Joshua wasn't the chosen leader, but they wanted to stone him. Wow! Just because he was talking different from what they were believing. Yes. So now Deuteronomy thirty-one. Oh my God! Amen. And we're doing good with time. It's 11.25. So now, here's now, Joshua is about to receive, and he's getting ready to be elevated to take over the people. Because Moses has reached the time of his life, and he's getting ready to die. And God gives him instruction on who he's going to, who's going to be his successor. Look at verse 1. Deuteronomy 31. In the NIV. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am 120 years old and I am no longer able to lead you. 
The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. I love this because Moses realized I'm too old to lead you now. Hmm. Y'all done wore all my nerves out. <laughs> you done wore all my nerves out. I got all this gray hair. I'm on this cane. I'm almost in a walker. I'm going to leave here upright. So I'm going to stop while I'm ahead. I'm 120 years old. He said, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you. And you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel. So he brings Joshua in front of all the people yes. and releases him in yes. front of the people to, yes. that, for the assignment that he's getting ready to take over. So that the people can know this transition is about to take place. Amen. You're about to come under new leadership now. Amen. You're about to come under new headship now. Amen. And so I want you to see who you're coming under. And I want all the people to know that I've approved of it. Yes. 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 See, if old, if the old leadership does not approve the new leadership, the new leadership is going to catch greater hell than the last one. Well, I'm trying to help you in succession plan. Can I give you a sidebar of wisdom that uh, uh, Bishop Ivy Hillard, Apostle Ivy Hillard, Bishop Ivy Hillard, he said, oh, this was good. He knew 10 years ago who was going to be his successor to the ministry. He said the Lord had told him that it was going to be his daughter, Irisha Hillard. 10 years ago. He said, now, at this 10-year point, 10 years ago, he said Irisha's mouth wasn't right. He said her attitude wasn't together. And she wasn't looking like a pastor. But he knew that the Lord had said that he was to begin to raise her up and to train her up and that she was going to be the one that was going to take on the mantle yes. because he was preparing for retirement. Yes. Oh, my God. my God. And so 10 years pass and Bishop Hillier ordains and stalls and puts his past, puts his daughter in the position. Now she's over the ministry. But during that transition period, Come on. she had many opportunities where she was before the people. She had many opportunities where she was before the people, serving the people, being involved with the people, teaching on Sundays. And now what I love what Bishop Hiller said, he said now on Sundays, he's sitting in the pew listening to his daughter. Yes. He's not too old where he's not un where he's unteachable. He, this man is in his 70s. He's been preaching the gospel over 40 years. And he's still sitting on the pew on Sunday morning to eat his, what his daughter is preaching. And she's only 40. But he was in a position with planning and he had vision what was happening for the next 10 years. Yeah. This is why we talk about vision. This is why every year we have vision. Because if you don't have vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. This is why God has sustained us because we maintain vision. And I thank God for the vision I have. Now, I get a lot of vision. I have to pull back. As that woman of God prophesied to me, she said, as an apostle, she said, you know what? Everybody's not going to handle your vision because you're going to move too fast because you're way ahead of them. I said, now I realize I see that. I've done some things. I had to pull back. So I had to maintain my space because God will have me going. Pastor Denise got so much vision. She was sharing me from this women's conference. She was just getting ideas. I'm like, God, how are you giving this to her? It's by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And when you're in tune to the Holy Spirit, you can gain vision. And ministries die because they have no vision. What are you going for? What are you striving for? What is your next level? It doesn't, I want to pay this building off, but that don't mean I'm going to stay here. I'm looking for 
speak to your next level. You got to get your mindset. I got to get to my next level. So he said, the Lord himself goes before you. What verse am I at? Eight? Okay. We doing good. 1130. Yeah, man, we covered a lot in five minutes. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Now, we're going to drop down to verse 14. But in verses 9 through 13, in transition, God tells the priest, I mean, Moses tells the priest what their assignment is. He said, every seven years, I need you to get the people together and I need you to read the law in the midst of all the people publicly so that they will not forget the law. So in transition, you have to stay connected to the word of God. Amen. You have to stay connected to his voice. You have to stay connected to his instructions because that's what's going to get you to your triumph phase. That's what's going to get you to your place of victory. So now in verse 14, look where he picks it up at. Oh, my God. Y'all ready? We're almost there. He said, the Lord said to Moses, now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present him yourself. Present yourselves at the tent of meeting where I commissioned him. Now, Moses and Joshua going to the tent of meeting together. He said, because I'm about to commission him. I got to lay hands on him. I got to anoint him. I got to speak over him. I got to encourage him. He said, so, so Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. Then the Lord appeared at the tent in a pillar of cloud, and the cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, you are going to rest with your ancestors, and these people will soon... This is God speaking, y'all. Uh -huh. uh -huh. Come on, come on. He's telling them, Moses, what these folks gonna do when you leave? Yes. yes. Come on. Come on. Let me help you. And the Lord said to Moses, "You are going to rest with your ancestors, and these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant I made with them." And in that day, I will become angry with them and forsake them. I will hide my face from them, and they will be destroyed. Many disasters and calamities will come on them, and in that day they will ask, Have not these disasters come on us because our God is not with us? And I will certainly hide my face in that day because of all their wickedness and turning to other gods. Now write down this song and teach them to the Israelites and have them sing it so that it may be a witness for me against them. When I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised an oath, on oath to their ancestors, and when they eat their field and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. And when my, many disasters and calamities come on them, this song will testify against them, because it will not be forgotten by their descendants. I know what they are disposed to do. Even before I bring them into the land, I promise them an oath, on oath. So Moses wrote down this song that day and taught it to the Israelites. The Lord gave this command to Joshua, son of Nun, be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land I promised them on old, and I, will, and I myself will be with you. After Moses finished writing in the book the words of this law from beginning to end, he gave this command to the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Take this book of the law and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Your God there will remain a witness against you, for I know how rebellious and stiff-necked you are. If you have been rebellious against the Lord while I'm still alive with you, how much more will you rebel after I die? This is why wow. I don't have time to police you in your sin. That is the Holy Ghost assignment. Baby, if you want to have 1,700 wives and 600 concubines and another side chick for that one, that's your business, baby. I'm not going to come up and police you and try to figure out who you've been sleeping with, who Sally been with, who Dan been with. I don't care 
between you and your God and the Holy Ghost is going to bring forth conviction as long as I'm praying that God will begin to touch your heart and deal with you. I'm telling you, God is going to deal with you better than I can ever deal with you. I don't have time to punish you. That's the Holy Ghost assignment. God told him, he said, look, if y'all Negroes went up, names out by this point. My God, said, my God. I wish these jokers no. would. Man, that's good. They said, I know good. if you've been acting a fool and I've been alive. They said, you've been acting a plum fool when I'm gone. That's what he told me. He said, Moses, this is what's going to happen. God is prophesying. He knew the hearts and the intents of oh, the people. Man. He knew yeah. what they were going to do because they had been showing him, showing God exactly that. They had been constantly rebellion. They have made this calf in Exodus. They want to do all this foolishness. And this is what they constantly showing God. So God said, I know when, they, when Moses leaves, all these young people act up. <laughs> but look at this. Joshua still has the heart to say yes. yes. Amen. Come on, Pastor. You mean to tell me after God done told Moses that that was no worse than I already saw? Because Joshua saw him making the calf. Joshua saw all that foolishness. He saw what God told Moses because Moses came and told the people what God said. Y'all ain't gonna get no help in this place today. Listen, but Joshua is committed. Jesus. And Joshua has a heart to know that if I endured the wilderness with you, my God. I can take you to the promise. Yeah, if I endure yeah. slavery yeah. back there in Egypt, yeah. if I endure all that shenanigans, all yeah. that foolishness, yeah. if I dealt with you talking about me in my face, behind my back, on my side, on my right, if I dealt with all the people behind yeah. me, if I dealt about all the people who said that I said I didn't say, if you stood through that, I guarantee you, you can take the people to the promised land. If you're committed, if you're able to stand, the triumph of victory is yours. For I know, he said, <laughs> he said, assemble before me all the elders of your tribes and all your officials so that I can speak these words in their hearing and call the heavens and the earth to testify against them. For I know that after my death, you are sure to become utterly corrupt and turn from the way I commanded you. In the days to come, disaster will fall on you because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord and arouse his anger by what your hands have made. Jesus. Close the book. Listen. <laughs> Joshua still had the mindset because he had matured in the wilderness. Yes. See, the thing that was breaking the others was growing, not Joshua. Wow. See, the thing that was tearing the others down, wow. that got them to the place to turn their back on God, wow. it was actually building Joshua up. See, I told you, just because you hang around jokers that don't have the right mindset, and you hang around folk that's talking crazy, you can't allow their talk to influence how you walk. Chicken Shack, and I was working right alongside the crackheads. They was in the ceiling looking for cocaine. Because the ceiling tiles were white. Up in a chair, climbing up in the chair, up in the ceiling, looking. Since I was 15, I've been around this drug addict, I've been around alcoholics, but this does not mean that 
supposed to take on that characteristic just because it's around me. You got to have a different perspective, a different mindset. You cannot fall into the trap. I was raised around that. I didn't have to take that. I ain't never smoked a blunt, baby. And I tell people that they say, you ain't never smoked no weed. I never smoked a square. That's a cigarette. Nicotine. Newport 100. Cool. Marlboro. My mama smoked bitch and hedges gold for years. Amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. Come on, Father. Because in that atmosphere, I learned to detest the smell of it. Yes. I couldn't stand cigarette smoke. So how am I going to put this in my mouth and puff it?
We were just sharing with somebody. Don't get me close. We were just sharing with somebody. Sharing a testimony how they came out of this very lifestyle of you know selling drugs and doing things of that nature, and been in prison, different things, and never when he was selling drugs and doing what he's doing. But as soon as he stopped, started turning his life over, here comes somebody. I got an ounce for you to get you back on your feet. No charge. Yes. Right. I'm telling you real life. This is, right. this, is the, this is the scenario. I got an ounce to get you back on your feet because I want you to, you know. Because I don't want you to be free and I'm bound. Yes. 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 You better say that. See, I'm still out here serving. Oh, I'm sorry, selling drugs because though that's slang serving, you know, you may not understand. So I'm still out here serving. And I want you to, and you're trying to stop serving? Uh uh, no, uh uh, I got this ounce for you. Come on, let's do what you got to do. That's how the enemy operates. Yes. He don't want to see you free. Yes. He don't want to see you away from the thing that's kept you bound for years. Yes. No matter what it may be, you got to tell the devil, tell the enemy, I'm taking a stand today, and I'm going I'm to reach my place of triumph. I'm going to reach my destiny. I'm going to reach my purpose. I'm going to go through this transition with the right mindset, with the right understanding. I'm going to have faith, and I'm going to trust in God, because I'm going to mature through this. Amen. Because that was able to help grow me and mature me. Yes. When all those things were around me and you can still say no. Yes. Now some stuff I said yes to that I shouldn't have said yes to. <laughs> and I had to deal with those consequences. But through it all, you have to learn. Yes. God, I, I got to move beyond this one. Yes. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand right now. Eleven forty-four. You talk.